Are you excited or what? Yes. It's amazing, amazing time that we've been having with our series, What If? What if the church should become as it should be? And for some of you, uh, you were not here, but we started with Barnabas. So if there are Barnabases in our church, the church will change completely. And then we talk about Lydia. Uh, we talked about um, Cornelius. We talked about uh, Priscilla and Aquila. And today we want to talk about Timothy. So the, these are not all the superheroes of the Bible. Just ordinary people just you, like you and I. But God did amazing stuff, amazing, amazing work through them. So today, we want to look at what if the church should become as it should be. Um, uh, and uh, a study in the book of Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. So let me read it for you. Acts chapter 16. I'm so glad that we have a great meal ready outside. But this morning, God is going to feed your soul. He is going to feed your soul and He has prepared this meal for you. And I know that when your soul is revived and strengthened, you will feel different outwardly. So sit back, relax, and let your soul be fed. Amen? Amen. So let me read it for you here. In Acts chapter 16, I'm reading from verse 1. Then he came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew his father was Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the degrees to keep which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. So this is uh, the scripture for Timothy that I want to read here. What are we um, expecting today? Uh, you're never too young to accomplish God's great work in your life. Or never too old. So when I speak about Timothy as a young guy, you put yourself in your shoe. Even though you're older, I know you're young at heart. Right? And, and you can apply to the principles uh, that speaks to us from the scripture. So what are you going to expect this morning? Uh, the, the, the first thing is that Timothy, a cross-cultural disciple of Christ. That's what you will expect. The second one is Timothy, a cross-cultural disciple shaping the culture. And the third one, a cross-cultural disciple strengthening the church. And this is the application for our church this morning. The application is engage people of different faiths and culture with God's love and big inclusive heart. That's the application that we want to look at today. So, you ready? Yes? Are we ready? Yeah. That's better. That's better. So, 
Then he came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. The first thing that we know is that Timothy was born of a cross-cultural marriage. That's what we know. The second thing, he is a biracial kid. This young Timothy is a biracial kid. Many of you sitting here may be having this cross-cultural marriage, and some of you uh, kids are biracial kids. You have been trying to navigate your life in two worlds, two cultures, two faiths, and sometimes it's not easy. Uh, Sometimes it's a struggle. It's quite a challenge. Your marriage is quite a challenge if it is a cross-cultural marriage. Uh, and the good news is the Lord has a model for us how to live our life in this kind of world. And Santa Clara is a perfect place for us to navigate this thing through the instruction and the Word of God. Because this is one of the, the, more, one of the most diverse places in this country and in the world. And here is a scripture speaking to us on All Nations Sunday how we can live our daily life. Isn't that amazing? I mean, our God is just amazing. He has word for every situation. Okay? How hard it is for Timothy to live this kind of life. Let's go back. Let me give a background. Right? So, in the first missionary journey, when Paul and Barnabas sailed from Antioch and came, uh, these, were, these three places were one of the last three stops before they returned back. Okay? So, when they came to Iconium, um, and uh, uh, Paul started talking uh, about Christ to the Jews, to the Gentiles, the Greek. What happens is there were people that were not happy. In fact, the Jews were not happy that Paul was speaking about Christ. So there were two divisions. Some sided with Paul. Some were against Paul in the city. Just imagine, you go to a new city... And you're starting the work of God, and suddenly there is a division in the city. One that wants to kill you, and then another group that is supporting you. This is not a good environment. This is not a good start. So, there is already clashes, conflict between the Jews, among the Jews, and the Greek, among the Jews, and the Gentiles. And Timothy grew up in this kind of situation. It's not easy for him. He's experiencing this conflict in his life already. Alright? So, they wanted to stone him. So he came to Lystra from Iconium. They, they went out of... And it was in Lystra that Timothy was there because this is a neighboring city. Uh, Timothy was from Lystra. When they came to Lystra, there was a, a man uh, that was born uh, who could not walk from the mother's womb. And when Paul saw this guy, he knew in his heart that he has the faith to be healed. So he cried out in a loud voice and said, walk. And that guy walked. Isn't that amazing, right? A great healing. Well, it wasn't the, you, you would think that the whole city would come to the Lord. That wasn't the case. What happened was, the people from Iconian came, because the multitudes have gathered, they have seen the miracle, and the people from Iconium started talking about Paul, inciting 
against Paul and got the support, and they won over the people. Nobody was praising God there anymore. The miracle is lost in the conflict. And what did they do? They pick up stones and they stone Paul. They stone Paul. Right? Because Lystra was also a very idolatrous place. When this thing happened, the priest, the, the priest in the Zeus temple, they brought an ox and a garland and they were going to sacrifice at the gate because they have seen Zeus and Hermes because they thought that Barnabas was Zeus and Paul was Hermes because he is the messenger of God. Paul was doing the talking and they came to worship him and they have to say no we are just human beings like you don't worship us worship the God who has done great things who have fed you and given all these seasons and food in your life. Praise and worship Him. No. The people came and they stoned Paul. They thought he was dead. And they took him and took his body out in Derby, another city. And they left him there because they thought Paul was dead. That must have been a great experience. For Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas might have thought, well, Paul's gone. But the believers gathered around Paul. And I'm sure they prayed over his body. And Paul stood up. He came alive. Right? Now, you would think that Paul wouldn't, would want to go away from Lystra. You know when he got up, where did he go? He came back to Lystra. He came back to Lystra. And then he went to Iconium and came back from Perga in fact, go to Pisidia, Perga, Pamphylia, and he came back. So there was the work done there. Timothy grew up in that environment. It's not easy for this young guy. Right? He has a Greek father, a Jewish woman, a mother, and with all the conflict going on there, in a great place where there is a, a idol worship going on, Christianity not a prominent place. Sounds familiar? He grew up in that, in that environment. So they went back to Antioch and they shared what the Lord has done in their first missionary uh, trip. So Acts chapter 16 is when Barnabas called Paul and said, let us go and visit all the places that we have gone. Let us go back. So Barnabas and Paul came to Lystra and Derby. That's when they found Timothy. That's when they found Timothy, a disciple of Christ, a Greek father, a Jewish woman. He, the word of God, has taken hold of his life in that first missionary journey. And here you find a disciple of Christ in such a difficult time, a difficult place to live out their faith. Here is a young guy who is a disciple of Christ. Amazing stuff for me. That goes for many of you sitting here, young people, biracial kid, cross-cultural marriage. You think that you had it hard in your life. There was a guy named Timothy who lived like you and who made it through. Who made it through? And he was well spoken of 
by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. So in such a difficult place, this young guy had a good reputation. He was well spoken of. His reputation has gone out in these cities, in Iconium, in Lystra, in Derby. They have heard about this young guy because of his faith. So what we see is that uh, instead of the culture shaping Timothy, he is shaping the culture. See? This young Timothy is shaping the culture with God's love. Many of you, when you have time, I want you to read out, uh, pick up a book, a gla- classic by uh, Niebuhr. It's called Christ and Culture. Okay? And you will find, uh, 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 you will find Christ, uh, Christ against nature, Christ over nature, Christ of the nature, uh, Christ uh, can reform the nature, and Christ and culture. It's a discussion on what Christ means in culture. I would like you to big, uh, pick up and read that book. It's a great, it's a great book. It's a difficult read. You have to pay attention. You can't be sleepy and read that book. Um, but it's a good book. And so he had a great, he has a great reputation. Why? Because of his grandmother. Grandmother Lois and Mother Eunice. And you will see that in Timothy. When Paul was writing, I am convinced that the faith that is in your mother and grandmother is also in you. So if we need a young Timothy in our church, then we need you grandmothers and grandfather to live out your faith. To share your faith to these young people. That you're not just passing them by on a Sunday, on a weekday, in a live group. I want you to know their names. I want you to know where the school that they go. I want you to know their parents. So you can pray for them. You can ask them how they're doing in the school. One question, one answer, one quick look, loving, compassionate look could save a young person's life. Your compassionate touch and smile and joining care to a young person on a Sunday could literally save their life. Santa Clara First Baptist Church, we want to change our culture. How do we change that? We change first by changing our walking in and walking out. We come here to fellowship, make impact in people's lives, and show genuine generosity, hospitality, and compassion to people. Because you have wealth of wisdom and knowledge. You are a library of Congress for the Word of God. I would like you to share that to our young people so their life can be changed. You can be Grandmother Lois. You can be the Mother Eunice that shaped the fate of a young Timothy, a young boy and girl, new believers, unbelievers that walk in here in this church and be transformed and be changed. Oh, 
If our church is like that, what a glorious church it will be. I want our church to be a church that sends missionary. I want our church to be a church that equips young people to be a pastor, to be a youth pastor, to be a worship pastor. I want our church to be a church that sends out people into the world, into the city, into the community. I do not want our church to be just a church coming here every Sunday and fill up our pew and do nothing about our faith. I want our church to be known that we have ordained people. We have sent students to seminary. We have equipped and supported young people to be a doctor, to be an engineer, to be a nurse, to be a teacher. We want to train, equip, and support these young people. That's the kind of church we want. And if we start doing that, if we start doing that, not that we haven't done in the past, but if we start doing that from now on, then people know by our fruits, by our work. They know that we are a generous church, hospitable church, loving church, welcoming church. When I was in Fort Wayne before I came here, I ordained three pastors. And uh, there were youth leaders that we have picked up. And they're all serving in different places. And we were able to do that. Four pastors actually. One Korean. One Indian. One Burmese. Two Burmese. Four of them. I was able to ordain them. And do ministry in different churches. We have to be that kind of church. We can't just look at ourselves. And be satisfied with what you get out of it. Coming to church and say, oh, today was great because we sang hymns. Oh, I'm so glad I came to church. We sang hymns today. Oh, it was a great, fantastic worship. Oh, we sang Spanish song today. Oh, we sang Indian songs today. It's all about us then. It's all about us then. I want us, when we are narrow and we think only about ourselves, we are not able to see the world. But when you come here to glorify God and to do the things that are pleasing to Him, then you will see the needs around you. You will see the needs around your city and, your, and, your, uh, and the world. And you will start doing things that pleases the Lord. And one thing that pleases God is that when we point people to the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter how hard our situations are, no matter how we face persecution, no matter how we may be not welcome or ridiculed because of our faith, if we are faithful in the Word of God and mighty in scripture the Holy Spirit will give us power to transform inspire and change people's lives and that's the kind of church we got to be and young Timothy that are sitting here this morning we are here for you we are here for you you can make mistakes here in this church you don't have to be perfect your pastor is far from perfect Take example from me. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be bashful about it. Come and make mistakes here. I would rather you do mistakes here and out in the world. And say, hey, you never trained us. Come and fall here. Come and stumble here. Come and cry here. Come and be embarrassed. Blue and red and white to your face. And we'll still be here to catch you. We'll still be here to catch you. Do you know why we have kids program come up here on the stage it's because for some kids just to get up on the stage is a great achievement 
Just to get up here on the stage and stand here is a great achievement. Forget about singing, reciting scripture verses, and doing things and dancing or moving, you know? Right? Just to get up here gingerly and stand here is a great achievement for some parents. And they are happy. We want that to happen. We want our kids to know that it's okay to be imperfect. No one is. But we got to love them. we got to train them here. So you will see later on, four months, a year later, they feel comfortable to stand here in front of people. Isn't that training? So when they become a CEO, a manager, and lead the group, they have already done it here. With hundreds of people, 200 people here. They are at home. That's how we train young Timothy. That's how we train young Timothy. That's how Sharon does with my boys. They may not have all the notes and the keys down, but they're here. It's okay. It's okay. Young people, it's okay to fail in the presence of your pastor. I will not judge you. I will not look down on you. I'll be here to support you, to catch you, and then say, let's try something else. Did you hear that? Did you hear that loud and clear in Santa Clara First Baptist Church? That's the church that we should become. So at our church, we should be less judgmental. Have, it's hard to have no judgment or less prejudice. So I'm saying less judgmental, less prejudice, right? We are fallen people. We see Christ and God through our prism. It's all colored. The God that we see is not perfect. Caucasians see God differently. Indians see God differently. Korean, Spanish, they all see God differently. It's, they see it through the prism. And it, a God that we understand is colored. There is no absolute in any culture. Only God is absolute. Only Christ is absolute. We have to engage one another and love one another. So that our kids, our young people will also know, okay, this is how they do. And we model that to them. So that life is not so hard out there for them. Life is not so difficult out there for them, which already is difficult anyway. So when they come here, they find a safe place, a place where they are protected, where they can be themselves. So the church that we want to be is not come as we are. It is come as you are. We can say to people, come as we are. Come here, be as we are. No, we want them to come as they are, as you are. God has always welcomed us to come as you are. That's why Timothy, a biracial, cross-cultural marriage, father who is not a believer, comes to the Lord and Paul picked him up to be one of the great young pastor of that time. This happened because somebody has a big heart, a God-sized heart. God-sized heart. Paul wanted to have him go with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew his father was Greek. 
And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Timothy, a cross-cultural disciple, strengthening the church. Before I end, I want to say this. See, Timothy labored with Paul and equipped the church. Despite what? Timothy had an ailment. Many of us complain about our health. And we do have health issues. Many of us have issues. I have pain. Or I have whatever ailment you go through. That prevents me to do the things that I want to do. Understandable. Very understandable. So we pray for one another. God will give strength. But Timothy, young people, he had an ailment. What was his ailment? He had a problem with his stomach. When you have a stomach problem, constant pain in your stomach, that is very discomforting, right? It immobilizes you. You're deflated. You don't want to do anything. That wasn't the case for Timothy. Despite his ailment, he served the Lord. He went on a missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas. Many times, not just one time. He did not make his physical ailment impediment to serve the kingdom of God. Here is a young guy who served despite his physical condition. Where did he learn from? He learned from Paul who had gone to the Lord three times and said, Take the thorns out of my flesh. And God says, My grace is sufficient for you. So then I will boast in my weakness. So Christ's strength is magnified. That's what Paul said. And here is Paul who came out picked up Timothy who says to Timothy I know you're having a stomach ailment don't drink only water I would like you to drink some wine that it may help you you know that scripture here is a young guy with all these physical challenges mighty for God Not, I mean for me I have a, like, if I have a cold and a flu and a headache I am dying my wife scared that whether I'll die that day, right? I'm in my fetal position and say, honey, I'm going to die, you know. It wasn't like this. Potimothy wasn't like that. I remember Sharon with all her leg problem, limping through the stage, tears in her eyes many times, and still serving the Lord. I remember my wife. She has lots of pain in her knee, up and down, Serving the Lord. Nay gave out. She's still having issues. But still serving the Lord. Because their heart is right with God. And this is how we train young Timothy. This is how we train people to serve the Lord. See, the impact is great. The church was strengthened. Souls were added to the church. Timothy became a leader of the church dynamic young pastor so what do we need as the worship team comes up in order for the church to become a church as it should be we need Barnabas who can vouch for Paul we need Cornelius a Gentile who will call relatives and friends and invite to their house to hear the gospel of God we need Lydia, a businesswoman who used her business for the kingdom of the Lord. We need Priscilla and Aquila, a tent maker by profession, who are supporting the mission work of Paul. 
And we need people like Timothy, a young guy, young woman, mighty in scripture and passion and serving God and extending the kingdom of God. So, church, Santa Clara First Baptist Church, my prayer today for you is that you will engage people of different faiths and culture with God's love and big inclusive heart. Can we do that? Can we do that? And All Nations Sunday is shaped and planned according to that. This is from the word from when God came to Abraham in Genesis, Genesis chapter 12. He said, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. In you, all the families of the nation shall be blessed. The word nation, when it appeared, was associated by the word blessing. When the word nation, ethnos, appeared, it was associated with blessing. The prophet picked this up, prophet Isaiah, when he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Jesus picked that up when he read the scripture. The first time in public ministry, when you read in Luke, and he read from the prophet Isaiah, and he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. We see the fulfillment of God's intention from the beginning, the promises that were made to Abraham, and we see the promise fulfilled in young Timothy's life, who is from a nation. The whole chapter of Acts. Paul said, I'm going to go now and serve the Gentiles because the Jews were stubborn to hear the word of God. Santa Clara First Baptist Church, we are a fulfillment of God's intention from the beginning. Hear, hear. Did you hear that? You and I are a blessing that God has given us. Let us be encouraged, be bold, and be the church that the Lord Jesus Christ wants to be. Amen?